0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, June 21st. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it looks like they've run out of patience over at the Federal Reserve. For the last six months or so, Jerome Powell has been saying the central bank is going to be patient when it comes to monetary policy. Well, the Federal Open Market Committee met, and the word patient wasn't even uttered. The Fed wrapped up the June meeting on Wednesday, leaving interest rates unchanged. That was expected, but they sure have set the table for a rate cut in the not-so-distant future. As a result, gold has surged to levels we haven't seen in more than five years. The yellow metal gained 2% on Wednesday in the wake of the FOMC meeting and continued to climb through the day yesterday. It got another boost from safe haven demand as things heated up even more in the Middle East after Iran shot down a U.S. drone. In the early hours of Asian trading on Friday, gold pushed above the $1,400 mark, a level not seen since September 2013. Now, we've seen some profit-taking since. As I record this podcast, gold is trading at around $13.96 per ounce. Silver went along for the ride as well, gaining 1.1% on Wednesday to fifteen thirty one per ounce. That was its highest level in nearly three months. I think there's room to run up further, with rumors that the U.S. is going to initiate airstrikes against Iran that will likely spur some more safe haven buying. The stock markets unsurprisingly enjoyed the prospect of more easy money the dow was up nearly 250 points on thursday and the s&p 500 saw its first record close since april now i have to admit the strength of this rally has surprised me a little bit i kind of thought the rate cut expectation was already pretty well priced in and the fed really didn't do anything surprising few people expected a rate cut this week Most people expected Powell would sound dovish, but the big move would be next month. In fact, before the meeting, the Fed Fund's futures already pointed to about an 80% chance for a July rate cut. Could it be that reality is actually starting to set in with the markets? I think a lot of this is about reading between the lines and expectations. There is no doubt that Powell and company came out with a dovish tone, and it was really more about what they didn't say than what they did. There was no mention of patience at all, as I said. As you'll recall, the word patient was a key word in the Fed's pivot to the Powell pause. Most analysts believe that by dropping that verbiage, the Fed is signaling another pivot, In fact, Powell didn't mince any words. He flat out said there is a rising rate cut sentiment among the Fed bankers. Powell said, quote, overall, our policy discussion focused on the appropriate response to the uncertain environment. And quote, many participants now see the case for somewhat more accommodative policy has strengthened. Did you catch that word uncertainty? That's a key word. And the Fed said that it would, quote, act as appropriate to sustain the expansion. Of course, there was the obligatory mention of being data dependent. On his podcast, Peter Schiff said the market's reaction would seem to indicate that it expects the data we get between now and July to be pretty bad because that Fed funds futures is now projecting a 100% chance of a rate cut in July. Think about how this was supposed to work for a minute. The Fed was supposed to cut rates and do QE to save us from the Great Recession. Then, when the crisis was over, it was supposed to normalize rates. We're at 2.25 to 2.5%. Um, that's not normal. It's not even near normal. You know where rates were on the eve of the 2008 financial crisis? 5.25%. And that was still pretty low. Leading up to the dot-com bubble popping, rates got as high as 6.5%. To use Peter's analogy, it's like a junkie. Over time, he needs more of the drug. Keeping this expansion going, and that's what Powell says he's committed to doing, it's like sustaining a drug habit. Maybe you feel good while you're high on drugs, but ultimately, you are undermining your own health, and the best thing to do would be to kick the habit and face the consequences of withdrawal. But we're not doing that. Eventually, the junkie overdoses and dies. I'm not sure what dies looks like in the economic scenario, but I know it ain't good. And of course, when it comes to easy money, the Fed isn't the only game in town. The Bank of Japan had its meeting on Thursday. It also kept rates steady. And by steady, I mean negative. And the bank's head, Kudora, said, quote, if the economy loses momentum toward achieving our price target, we'll of course consider expanding stimulus without hesitation. Yes, the Bank of Japan at negative interest rates is talking about expanding stimulus. How much more stimulus can you get? And then we have the European Central Bank. European stocks shot up to a six-week high this week after ECB President Mario Draghi hinted at new rate cuts or even another round of quantitative easing during a speech on Monday. European markets dig monetary heroin, too. The European Central Bank had already taken a more dovish turn during its June meeting earlier this month. The ECB announced its easy money exit strategy just a year ago, and it ended quantitative easing just last December. But after its June meeting, the bank put any rate hikes on hold indefinitely, saying it quote, expected them to remain at their present levels at least through the first half of 2020, and in any case for as long as necessary to ensure the continued sustained Convergence of inflation to levels that are below, but close to, the 2% over the medium term. In other words, we ain't doing no normalization in Europe. This was the ECB equivalent of the Powell pause and Draghi indicated there was already talk about a pivot back to an easy money policy. He said several members raised the possibility of further rate cuts. Other members raised the possibility of restarting the asset purchase program or further extension in the forward gui- guidance. Draghi's most recent remarks reinforced the sense that we may well see more crisis-era monetary policy in the Eurozone, and sooner rather than later. ECB Vice President Luis de Guendo expanded on Draghi's comment, saying the ECB could initiate another large bond purchase program. So yeah, so much for normalization. The ECB's QE purchases totaled somewhere in the neighborhood of 2.6 trillion euros. The bank also pushed interest rates below zero. So what did the EU get for all of this stimulus? Well, not a whole lot. As CNBC put it, the recent dovish approach by the central bank suggests that it may be too early to remove all the support to the economy, and more importantly, that further interventions are likely required. You know, if at first you don't succeed, dot, dot, dot. The bottom line is it appears increasingly likely that normalization is over, not just in the U.S., but across the pond and in Japan. Well, Japan never really got to normalization. Of course, gold loves this. Here's a little tidbit for you just to let you know what's going on globally. Gold priced in Australian dollars surpassed 2000 for the first time, hitting a record high of $2,007.82. In other news, China dumped more U.S. Treasuries in April, selling off another $7.5 billion in U.S. debt, according to the latest U.S. Treasury Department data. This follows on the heels of the biggest U.S. Treasury sell-off by the Chinese in nearly two and a half years in March. Over the last two months alone, the Chinese have dumped some $17.5 billion in U.S. debt. After a four-month pause, the big March sell-off resumed a trend of Chinese Treasury divestment that we saw in 2018. Over the last 12 months, the Chinese have shed $69 billion of its Treasury securities. China currently holds around $1.11 trillion in U.S. bonds. The peak was $1.25 trillion in February 2016. That country remains the U.S.'s biggest creditor. Even a long-term pause in Chinese bond purchases could become problematic for the U.S. as it dumps billions of dollars of additional treasuries on the market in order to fund ballooning deficits. As you will recall from last week's show, the U.S. government ran up the biggest deficit in any May in the history of the United States last month. So there is much borrowing still to be done. The U.S. government has to sell bonds to fund the deficits. If its biggest buyer continues to be a seller, it could create significant problems for the Treasury Department in the near future. Even as the Chinese are shedding U.S. Treasuries, they are buying gold. China added to its reserves for the sixth straight month in May, and it appears to be accelerating its rate of purchases. This is all part of a broader Chinese strategy to minimize its exposure to the U.S. dollar and perhaps even to undermine the greenback status as the reserve currency. The Chinese have become more vocal about the need to create alternative payment systems globally that do not rely on the dollar. In an op-ed published this week, a Chinese state-owned newspaper called on the international community to find alternatives to the global dollar system and warned capricious actions by the United States government could, quote, ruin the future of the dollar itself, end quote. U.S. consumer debt continues to skyrocket. This is yet another reason the Fed is going to have to cut rates. Americans borrowed money at the fastest pace in five months in April, according to the latest Federal Reserve Consumer Credit report. Total consumer credit increased by $17.5 billion. That's an annual growth rate of 5.2%. Americans currently owe nearly $4.07 trillion, and that doesn't even factor in mortgages. Revolving Credit Outstanding, that's mostly credit cards, climbed by $7 billion, a 7.9% increase. It was the largest increase since November. The mainstream narrative is that Americans feel more comfortable taking on debt. Of course, nothing in the statistics proves this. That's just speculation. It's just as likely consumers are running up their credit card balances because they can't afford to pay their bills. Non-revolving debt, primarily auto loans and student loans, rose $19.5 billion in April. We've seen this massive increase in debt, consumer, government, corporate, for months now. You know, the government just keeps kicking the can down the road. Nobody's paying attention to these skyrocketing levels of debt. We are on the verge of a recession. The time to buy gold is now. It's going up. You don't want to miss out. So for more information on what's going on and how it's going to affect the gold market, you need to call 1-888-GOLD-160 today and talk to one of our fine Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialists. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for all of that stuff on the show notes page. I really appreciate you listening to the show, and I will talk to you again next week.